Turn with me to a couple of scriptures, if you would, this evening. And unless the Lord leads me differently as we go, have something in my heart that he ministered to me already. Galatians 6, John 13, Galatians the 6th chapter, and John 13. Now what we're ministering to you about this evening is one of the most important things we could talk about. Absolutely. That's a big statement, but it's true. As we go further, you'll, you'll see what I mean. One of the most important subjects, one of the most important topics we could be thinking about. And this is not something you should just hear a time or two and forget about for three or four years. This is something you should have in front of you every day. Now, I know that's a big statement, but it's, it's if you're serious about being a Christian, there's no way around this. Galatians 6, John 13. In Galatians 6, there's a statement that I, I trust will just ring in your spirit long after we read this. And it is something about the master... Everybody there, Galatians 6? If you didn't bring a Bible with you this evening, you might look on with your neighbor. It helps when you let your eyes rest on these verses for yourself. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brothers, if a man be overtaken in a fault, somebody messes up. Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Uh, you know, James brings out the, the point that if you are a judge, you are not a doer. If you study James 2 and James 4, you'll find that that's the case. And anytime you see somebody coming down hard, uh, judgmentally on someone else, they are being a hypocrite. They're not a doer. And there's another problem at the end of that. If you judge, what happens? You will be judged. It's going to come back. What that means is a situation will arise where you need grace to make it through and you won't have it. Which means you'll fail. You'll fall. So the person who understands, even though, I mean, you, you don't have to call right wrong. And yet at the same time, you can be compassionate and understanding and kind and patient. And, uh, you know, sometimes you ever heard somebody say this, well, how in the world could they do that? Yeah. <laughs> you ever heard that phrase? Yeah. You don't have to raise your hand if you said it, but how, how, they usually preface it with, you know, some exclamation. My Lord, how in the world could they do that? That's being a hypocrite. Because you know exactly how they could do it. Because you've done it. But I've never done that. Have you ever sinned? Have you ever sinned? How'd you do it? Yeah, but it's, it's, it, that's not the same. Yes, it is. Sin is sin. Right? And so, you know, anyway, that's another message. But uh, 
Verse 2, bear you one another's burdens. Here's the point I want you to get to. Bear you one another's burdens. Bear ye one another's burdens, loads, and so fulfill the law of Christ. They were asking about a title earlier. This, this is it. I got settled on it. The law of Christ. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Before I expand, go to John 13. Let's read this, and then we'll talk about them together. Everybody said out loud while you're turning over there, the law of Christ. Christ. Is there a law of Christ? A law. Didn't just say a suggestion. A good idea of Christ. The law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Well, he gives you a lot of insight into that by the preceding phrase. Bear ye one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. In John 13, verse 34, we have the, everybody say the, the the New Testament commandment. Anybody know what it is? It is the New Testament commandment. John 13, 34, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you that you what? Love one another. Now, just stop right there. Love who? This is not, he he didn't say that you love sinners. That you love the world. Are you with me? Some of you look like you swallowed your gum then. Uh, I didn't say it's wrong to love sinners. I'm talking about what this verse says. What did Jesus tell us the new commandment is that we love who who's who is that that's your christian brother or sister that you love one another how as he has loved us that we also love one another by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, or by, all, by this shall all men, everybody that sees and knows you, that's how they will know you are a Christian. That you are a follower and a disciple of his. If you have this love, the same kind of love he loved and loves us with, if we have that toward each other. Now, yes, we should love the world. We should love the lost. Certainly, God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. But that's not what Jesus specified when he gave us the New Testament commandment. And actually, this is a big key to our witness to the lost, to the unsaved. We ought to treat each other so wonderfully that the outsiders want to join us. Absolutely, that, that people know, man, you need to get in that club because, man, they'll take care of you. They'll pray for you. They'll support you. They'll feed you if you're hungry. Man, they just, you, it's like having one big family and they really care about you. That is our strongest witness. According to the Lord Jesus Christ, this is how 
The unsaved, the outsiders, will know we are his. It's not, you know, it's not by a lot of things that people would think. It's not by us, you know, testifying that we pray X amount of time every day in tongues. Or that we gave a big offering. Or that we can quote scriptures. Are you with me now? But it's by this. The, the way we treat each other. And we are to treat each other, we are to love each other the way he loved and loves us. We are to live by the law of Christ. How did he love us? Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What does it mean to be a Christian? I think sometimes we take the most basic things for granted. What is a Christian? Well, the Christ is the anointed one. The one who came, was born of a virgin, anointed the Messiah. Well, a Christian is one who is like Christ. A follower, a disciple, one who is like the anointed one. That's us. And so there are two main things that are involved in being a Christian. Number one, we believe on him. We believe he is the one. Have faith in him. And that's an active personal faith, which affects the second one. Secondly, we act like him. We follow him. He is our example. He is our ultimate goal in life. We should wake up in the morning saying, I'm going to be like Jesus today. Amen. 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 And if you're not doing that, are you really being a Christian? If we're not doing that, what are we doing? Our constant pursuit is to be like him. You know, Paul talked about forgetting those things that are behind and and, and reaching and pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that mark? What is that prize? What is the bullseye? What is the mark? It is total Christ-likeness. That's what it is. That's what it is. You know, thank God for good people and, and ministers and elders. And a lot of times people take individuals and they think, well, I want to be like brother so-and-so. I want to be like sister so-and-so. Well, that's great, but raise up your eyes a little higher. If you want to be like them, it's because to some degree they're like him. But you don't want to be just like any human you know, because if you do, you'll duplicate their faults as well. They all have them. So let's just go ahead and lift up our eyes a little bit higher. Amen. Amen. And, and, and pursue to be like him. Now, the, the reality is that most Christians do not believe that is possible. They might believe it on paper, but they don't believe it in life. That I can live like Jesus, that I can pray like Jesus, that I can have faith like Jesus, that I can please the Father God like Jesus. Most Christians don't believe that. They don't. But it's a fact. Amen? Amen. He that believes on me, the works I do, he'll do also. Right? 1 John 2, 6. Says he that says he abides in him ought himself so to walk even as he walked. It's too quiet. People say, well, Brother Keith, 
Jesus was perfect. He was perfect. He never sinned. He never failed. He never messed up. I already have. I've already blown it. I could never be just like Jesus. I've already blown it thousands of times. Yeah, but you forget the blood. I said you forget the blood if you think that way. People say, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Yeah, and you don't know the power of the blood. By the blood and by faith in that blood and repentance and receiving of the forgiveness of sin, you could blow it terribly. That's not a good thing, but you could blow it terribly. But if you fall on your face, if you repent, if you receive cleansing by the blood, if you receive forgiveness, then you can stand up as clean as Jesus with a perfect record. You get a hold of that real strong and make you come out of bed tonight. You'll, you'll have to get up and shout a little bit. So it is possible to live like him and walk like him and operate like him. The law of Christ is the law of divine love, the love of God. And being like Christ, walking in this law, is walking in this love. What does it mean to be a Christian? We believe on him and we are to be like him. What did he do? What was his life about? He was born, and from the time he was old enough to understand to be about his father's business, he was in the pursuit of helping people, wasn't he? Of ministering the word to people at a very early age. And then, as the anointing came on him strong, uh, he he ministered healing to people, He, he ministered deliverance to people, ministered truth to people, and ultimately gave his life, gave his blood for people. Totally selfless. Totally unselfish. He did not live for himself. I want to say something strong to you. Jesus, not one day of his life did he wake up and say, what do I want to do today? So where'd you get that? John. John 5 and John 6. Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And I do always those things that please him. Always is how often. So Jesus did not live to satisfy himself. Did he? He didn't live to fulfill his his vision and his dream. He had a desire separate from the Father God. He prayed in the garden, not my will, but thy will be done. So he had a separate will. But he lived to give, didn't he? Not to get, but to give. Constantly endeavoring to help somebody, to to minister to somebody, to inconvenience himself, to take up his time, to, to use his faith, whatever it took. Never do you see Jesus telling people, I've got to do what I've got to do. 
I've got needs. I have to take care of my needs. Selfishness is unchristlike. To be consumed with selfishness and to call oneself a Christian is totally inconsistent. And Christian, Christianity is much more than a title. It's much more than a label. I mean, you can put a Christian sticker on a car, but that doesn't make it Christian. You believe on him, but it doesn't stop there. If you, he, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. One of the greatest truths you can ever learn is that God is love. Amen. And I am to live by a law every waking moment of my life. It is the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Bear others' burdens. Don't think about yourself. Don't spare yourself. Don't live to yourself. If necessary, pour out your life. Now that is about as unworldly as you can get. <laughs> right? And if we lived like that, nobody would have to ask us if we're Christians. Is that right? People could be around us just a few minutes, and if that was really our heart, and that's really the way we thought, and the way we lived, they wouldn't have to ask, are you a Christian? They'd say, you must be a Christian. Why? Because it is so diametrically opposed to the way of the world. What is the way of the world? Selfishness. I want mines. Mines is mine. I got to have mine. It's, it's the most important. I got needs. I have a life too. And it is, I started to say repulsive, and I might as well use that word. It's repulsive. It's disgusting. The way Christians act. Some, we're not going to call anybody's name. <laughs> Ministers bless their hearts. So self-absorbed. They think when they walk in the room, some folk, that, every, that the music is supposed to stop. And all eyes turn toward moi. All right. And the main thing going here is meet my needs. Yeah. Take care of me. Is that the way Jesus was when he no. walked the earth? How was Jesus? Who's our example? Who are we trying to be like? What are we aspiring to? Jesus said, I did not come to be ministered to. I came to minister. I came to serve and to minister and to give my life. Now, when your flesh hears this, it doesn't like it. I'm talking about your flesh, not your neighbor's. I'm talking about my flesh. When you and I got born again, a wonderful thing happened. The man on the inside became a new creature. The love of God shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. But nothing happened to our flesh. We still got the same type of body that Joe Sinner down the street's got that's never been saved. It's exactly, nature's exactly like his. And that nature, if you wanted to use one word, is selfish. It's selfish. All you got to do to be selfish is wake up in the morning. That's all you got to, you, you don't have to do anything. Just, 
right. Yield to your feelings and impulses and you will be selfish. That's right. But that's not being a Christian. If you live that way and you call yourself a Christian, you're lying or confused or deceived or maybe all three. How many want to be a real Christian? Not uh, not a Catholic version of Jesus, not a Baptist version of Jesus, not a Pentecostal version of Jesus, not a word and faith or charismatic version of Jesus, but the real Jesus, how he really is. We don't have to wonder about it. We've got a book. We've got his words. We've got his actions. And you don't have to, you know, apply your, your, your thinking too hard to come to the conclusion he lived to give. Amen. He did not mind. You know, Philippians talks about it, that though he was, uh, he, he was God from the beginning. He, he didn't think it was too great of a price. When asked to lay it down. What he laid down before he came. Was beyond our comprehension. Being God. With the omniscience. The omnipotence. We have no clue. What it means to lay that aside. But he did. He didn't think it was too much. To be asked of him. But he came. Born in a barn. Boy that's a long way from the throne room. Lived, walked, was ridiculed, spit on, mocked, finally scourged and killed, and he took it for you, for me. He didn't think it was too great of a price to pay. We live, friend, in a selfish society. We live in a selfish generation, and it has crept into the church in a huge way. In fact, I'm appalled at some of the teachings that you hear so-called ministers teach, and it, it, it feeds selfishness. People are told that it's okay if I'm not happy, if I'm not getting my needs met, well, just divorce, just run away, just quit the church, just go somewhere else, just tell people to go fly a kite, because, hey, you got your rights. What if Jesus had felt that way? What if Jesus had said, I have never committed a sin. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this treatment. I don't deserve this punishment. I don't deserve this pain. I have never done anything to deserve any of this. What if he had stood up and said, I have feelings too. All right. All right. You can tell how carnal or how spiritual you are, how Christ-like or how worldly you are by this thing right here. How selfish you are. And there's no need looking around and saying, well, you know, wonder who needs to hear this in here today. <laughs> like I said, all you got to do to be selfish is just wake up in the morning. And unless you do, unless you endeavor to let the love of God that's on the inside of you dominate you, you will think selfishly, you will talk selfishly, you'll act selfishly. You will. I said you will. Reading scriptures helps. Talking in tongues helps. But in the final analysis, when it comes to a situation, you got to make a decision. 
And you got to act on it. Can you say amen? amen? How many want to be a real Christian? Amen. I mean a real Christian. Then that means you got to want to be like him. Got to want to be like him. I said, Jesus, not one day of his life did he get up in the morning and say, what do I want to do today? He lived and he did always those things that please the father. And he didn't even come to do his own will, but the will of him that sent him. Let me read some scriptures to you from the New Testament. Let these soak into your spirit. Let it feed you. Let it help you. In uh, 2 Corinthians, you don't have to turn to these. You can just listen if you want to. 2 Corinthians 12, 14 and 15. Paul says by the Spirit, he says, uh, I'm ready to come to you the third time. And I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, even though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. He said, I'm going to still do it. Even though the more I care about you, it looks like the less you care about me. He had poured out his life for him, risked his life, ministered to him, got him going, got the work established. And these new apostles waltzed in. They just woke up one morning and decided they were an apostle and felt like Paul was getting some money out of the deal. So they'd get in on it. And a lot of folk would have just been hurt to the core. And they would have just pined away in their bedroom or their office. And said, isn't that the way people are? Man, you pour your heart out to them and they just don't appreciate you. (laughs) You know, the more sensitive you are to heart or soul hurt, I should say, in this area, that's the more selfish you are. Because the biggest thing you're focusing on is how this affects me. You hurt my feelings. Well, is that the biggest thing happening today? (laughs) Should that be the primary thing on our mind? Is your feelings? Or should you grow up? I said, or should you grow up? I know a pastor friend of mine who will remain nameless. He, uh, He and his wife and his family had poured their heart and life into this church. They had got it going really good. They had built a new building. He was a carpenter. He did, I bet he did 50% of the work himself. I mean, just work night and day. Uh, I mean, he gave it his all. Preached his heart out and, and just ministered to the people, did the best he could do. He called over to the alumni office, RMAI office one day. And he would just, I mean, he's been out of shape. He said, get somebody to come up here and take this church. And the guy talking to him said, what, uh, what, what? He said, I, I thought you loved that place. I've been, you've been, been pouring your heart. And so he said, that's the problem. <laughs> These people don't care about me. They don't, they don't appreciate me. They don't care about me. Christmas had just passed. He said, do you know what the whole congregation pitched together and got my wife and I for Christmas? He said, what? A five by seven picture of Jesus. 
is what the whole church put together and, and got us. A five by seven picture of Jesus. <laughs> he said, they don't, they don't appreciate me. They don't care about me. Forget this. Get somebody up here and take this if they want it. I'm gone. Well, the person that was talking to him had some wisdom and he said, well, um, wait up now. I called his name. He said, hold up now. I thought you said God sent you up there. He said, well, yeah, you know, maybe he did, but I'm going. I'm, you know, <laughs> five by seven picture of Jesus. <laughs> They don't care about me. I, mean, I work 14, 16, 18 hour days up here. So I mean, I put my blood, sweat, and tears and life in this thing. And this is, I'm, get somebody. He said, no, wait up, wait up. The Lord told you to go there. Well, yeah, yeah. He said, well, did he tell you to leave? He's giving you instructions to go, just like he gave you to come. Well, I don't know, but I'm going. Just get somebody. To, <laughs> How many know you need to be led in by the Spirit and not led out by offense or hurt feelings? You need to be led out by the Lord just like you led in. And he said, well, get somebody to come. He said, these people don't appreciate us. They don't care anything about us. He said, no, wait up. Who said they had to? Appreciate you. Did the Lord tell you, go take the church, be a good minister? Unless they don't appreciate you, of course. (laughs) And if they don't treat you quite right, well, hey, I'd leave too. (laughs) Were there any times when they didn't treat Jesus right? Were there things that were unfair to him? People that didn't appreciate it? He came into his own. His own received him not. They killed him. Gave him the death of the worst criminal. Worse than the gas chamber. Worse than the electric chair. That's that's how they treated him. But he did it anyway. And he did it willingly. He did it willingly. Because he cared more about us than he did his feelings. He cared more about us than he did the comfort of his flesh. And he cared more about us than he did the peace of his soul. We have no idea what it was like. I mean, the, the physical was awful, but the worst was the spiritual. But he took it for us. And that's to be our heart. That has to be our pursuit. That that... You know, well, you, you had your place in, no, you didn't. Go to 1 John. You'll have it when you get there. Go to 1 John. I want you to turn to this one. 1 John 3. I got enough in my heart here to go for four days easy, but uh, we're, we're not, we're not going to keep you all night. But you, are you believing with me? Yeah. Believe with me now. That I don't go too short. Don't go too long. Just right. Can you believe with me? Because I don't want to short you anything. First John. Everybody said out loud, the law of Christ. That's what I live by. I'm a Christian. 
What does that mean? See, I trust you meditate on that. First John 3 and 16. First John 3, 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Read it one more time. Think about it. Hereby perceive we the love of God. What is the love of God? He laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now nobody can do again what Jesus has done. My blood won't save you. Your blood won't save me. Uh, me being whipped wouldn't get you healed. Me being mentally tormented won't give you peace. That's already been done. That's already been bought and paid for. But I can still give to help you. You can still give to help your neighbor. You can still. But if you if you are aware, I've heard people say, well, you know, the Lord never uses me in, in gifts of the spirit. I, I'd like to be. I want to be used in the gifts. But it just doesn't seem like I am. I'm going to tell you the answer. Go to first Corinthians. In the 12th and the 13th and the 14th chapters, you see the answer. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14, just the first verse, says, follow after charity or love. How do you do that? How can you follow love? Well, you got to remember who love is. God is love. Amen. Have you got love in you? Have you got God in you? Is his spirit in you? He's in you. He's love. The love of God shed abroad in your heart. He's in, he's inside you. Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts or spirituals. Which comes first? If you want to be, if you want to have manifestations of the spirit so you can sit in your easy chair and go, whoo, glory. Wow. I'm having some stuff now. <laughs> then you are uh, totally missing the mark. That's not what it's for. What are gifts of healings for? So somebody can get healed. Right? Working of miracles. What's that for? So somebody can have a miracle. And, uh, you know, it's when you have an impossible situation that you're ripe for a miracle. And uh, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, what are these for? So we can have revelation of things that will help people. These things are not just an entity unto themselves or just for our uh, spiritual enjoyment and, and experience. They are with purpose, right? And if you want to be in the flow of the supernatural, you must be in the flow of God, which means you must be in the flow of love. How did Jesus operate? He had the gifts flow through him. Right? He had healing flow through him. And how many times do we see that he was moved with compassion? And when he did, power flowed. Life flowed. 
What about when the dead were raised? You remember they were taking the casket by the son of the, her only son and she's crying and he looks and his heart is touched. He cares about him. Right? At Lazarus tomb. He wept. Why? Because he cares. The more hard hearted you are and the more insensitive that you are, the more unchristlike, the more worldly you are. It's the world that's hard. I've noticed the times that I've been closest to God, the tears come easy and they come quick. And your heart is moved easily and quick. This tenderness is something you had when you were first born again. Don't let disobedience dull you. Don't think, well, it's a big world. There's a lot of junk going on. I can't fix it all, so just forget it. Forget it in what? Live your little life? Right? I mean, you know, you, oh, you got to watch because it's so easy to just get in the rut. You get up in the morning, we go to the job to make our money, to pay our bills for our house, take care of our kids, for their education, for we got to get our insurance, now our stuff, us, us, us. That's not being a Christian. Are you with me? That's not being a Christian. We're not, we're not pointing to anybody. We're, we're, I'm talking to me. Amen. As well as you. And it's not something that, that the result should be condemnation. I, I, I'm not, you know, working to make myself feel bad. I don't want you to feel bad. I want to lift up my eyes. I want to believe I can walk like my master. That I can be just like him. Amen. He told me I could. He called me to do it. Commanded me to do it. Amen. And even though I might blow it and I might realize, man, that was selfish. That was inconsiderate. That was just thinking about yourself. Well, let me back up a little bit. When you realize that you have inconvenienced people, you have put them out for your own interest. You have not been aware of them. That should bother you. Yes. Even if it's a total stranger. That should bother you. And even if you blow it big time, you still, you can, it bothers you. You can fall on your face. Lord, forgive me. Ah, what was I thinking? Help me to be more aware of people around about me. I ask you to forgive me of that and do what you can to make it right. And you stand up as clean as Jesus. I said you stand up as clean. Do you believe that? You stand up as clean with the righteousness of God in Christ. Sin washed away, not to be mentioned to you again. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. I'm telling you, you know, we, we, we've talked about the supernatural. We've talked about the miraculous. We, we've talked about the wonders and the mighty power of God. You cannot separate it from this. This is the purpose for the power. Amen. And if, if, you, if you just focus on the power, you miss the mark. If you just focus on the miracles, you, you're going to miss the mark. you got to focus on the people. And you don't have to go uh, a thousand miles away. Just look around. I said, just look around. How many times do you see the phrase about loving your neighbor? Neighbor. There's even a passage in the scripture in detail that one lawyer said, who is my neighbor? And that's where we got the story of what we call the Good Samaritan. If you look up the word neighbor, it's nigh bore, nearby. And this Samaritan was a total stranger to the, to, 
the, the guy that fell was a stranger to the Samaritan that ministered to him. So who is your neighbor? Who's the guy you're supposed to love as yourself? Who's the guy? It's whoever you happen to be around. Whoever. Whoever is close to you at the moment. A lot of those people have these high ideals, these romantic ideas that I'm going to really pray up and I'm going to go somewhere and do something for God. Just, just open your eyes. Just, just look around. It's right there in your house. It's right there in your neighborhood. It's, it's right there on the job. If God wanted you there, you would be there. But you are here. And so the, work, the immediate work is here. Right? And you don't have to pull a spiritual rabbit out of a hat. All you got to do is really care about the person beside you. That's all you got to do. Really care about them. And things will start happening. They'll start happening. I know years ago, Phyllis and I were in this little home meeting with this older couple. That they, the man preached and the woman got up and and, and began to minister in in the gifts of the Spirit. Marvelous, accurate, powerful, obviously supernatural. And she said some things that just have stuck with me from then on because I thought, man, you know, that's wonderful. Just the gifts of the Spirit, just the real article and results. She said, uh, what I do is I just minister and I just look over the people and, and love the people. And when my heart goes out towards somebody, I just follow that love. Did you hear that? That's biblical, isn't it? Follow love and desire spiritual gifts. And so she said a lot of times if her heart just see sometimes while she was speaking, her heart just keep going out to somebody. Just keep going out to them. The love of God in you. Going out towards them. And she didn't know why. So you got to walk by faith. But if that just continued enough. She eventually would say. You know can I minister to you. Can I pray for you. Or she didn't didn't know what she's going to do. Got to walk by faith. But when you're following love. You're following God. Amen. And a lot of times she said. As they would respond. To that love. And sometimes when she'd touch them, she'd get something. She'd get a word. The anointing would come. There'd be a healing. There'd be a deliverance. You don't have to be a preacher. And you don't have to be in church for that to happen. I said, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be able to quote a lot of scriptures. You don't have to feel like you have some special anointing. If you're a Christian, you got God in you. Amen. And all you got to do is care about people. Just care about them. And if your heart goes out, if they're hurting, and you don't have to feel like, well, I got to come up and give them a message in tongues and interpretation. I got to, no, no, just care about them. Just let your heart, sometimes just, just go put your hand on their shoulder and say, you know, I care about you. Look, I believe God's got, a, got help for this. I believe God could help you. And, just open yourself up and you'll be amazed what begins to happen. That's right. You'll know things. You'll say things. You'll do things and not even realize it and look back later and realize I was used in the gifts. Me. I'm not even a preacher. <laughs> These things are for the church. Not just the ministry gifts. They're for the whole church. 
when we're loving each other and loving the world like this, the miraculous will be commonplace. It'll be a constant flow. Things will be happening just constantly. Just all the time. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. It's freedom. Turn with me to Matthew, why don't you, the, the seventh chapter. This is a little bit different, but it's, it's right in the middle of what we're talking about. There's so much talk about prosperity. And I believe in it. God's doing some things. I'm, I'm wonderfully happy about it. It's not like most Christians have too much money. We have, we've got a ways to go. How many believe God's got plenty, though? Yeah. And if we just could rise up in faith and take it, we could, we could all have a bunch and do a bunch. But in a number of years ago, when the Lord first began to teach me about prosperity, I mean, I had already been through Ramah. I was already in the ministry for some years and knew some things, but it just wasn't clicking somewhere or another. We were still struggling. And... Uh, I fell on my face. I cried. I prayed. I said, Lord, this is not right. I mean, I know this is not your will for us to scrape by like we're doing financially. Show me what I need to see. Help me. What am I not doing? What am I doing wrong? Show me. I knew some things. I mean, I understand. You can, you can know a lot of things. That doesn't mean you're doing them. Okay. And as he taught me, seemed like after that period of time, he was teaching me about prosperity virtually every day for about a five year period. It just, it was, I was, I was seeing things constantly. And, and, and most of the things I was seeing, probably half of them, were things I already knew. But I wasn't doing. Wasn't doing. And um, after, after looking at this a lot, after hearing about this subject a whole lot, what I'm going to give you right now is one of, I would say, the number one key to prosperity. That's a big statement, isn't it? But I'm saying it anyway. I don't like to make all-inclusive statements like that unless i got something to back it up, but I do. And it's no, no variance from what I'm talking to you about. The Lord said to me that there were things I had to overcome to have his full prosperity. And he began to, to, to show them to me. Not all at once. The first one he showed me. The first thing he talked to me about. He said you've, you've got to overcome selfishness. To have my full prosperity. And he brought to my remembrance with force. Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first. Seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. And he said this to me, and I, I was wondering if I was hearing right or not. He said, the greatest expression of love is giving. The chief expression of love is giving. When I first heard that, I thought, well, I don't know if I'm hearing right on that. I, if I say that, surely people will look at me and say, well, yeah, you're a preacher. You would say that. And then turn around and take up an offering. The greatest, the greatest expression of love. And then he brought with force to me John 3.16. God so loved the world that he yelled from heaven. I love you. That's, that's fine to say, but is that the greatest expression of love? No. God so loved the world that he said, 
I feel for you. I just, I have feelings for you. That's great, but that's not, that's not divine love. No, God so loved the world that he gave, gave, amen. And money wouldn't buy us. We're we're not just talking about money. Money wouldn't save us. We were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. But he gave what would save us. I had to overcome. He says you got to overcome selfishness. Uh, nobody conquers selfishness and puts the, the lance in it one day and stands on it and goes, I got it. <laughs> I completely killed my own selfishness. No, that's the day it won. Because you're no longer endeavoring to deal with it. But he, he dealt with me about this scripture in Matthew 7. Are you holding your place there? Matthew 7. Seeking first the kingdom of God means people. Right? Don't let that be severed from people. I mean, what is the, what's the kingdom of God about? It's people. So if I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, I'm doing something that affects people. People other than myself. And in Matthew 7, verse 12, he brought me to this verse. And I saw it like I'd never seen it before, even though I heard it in Sunday school. We call it the golden rule. Jesus said, therefore, all things. Everybody say all things. All things things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Now, friend, if you get a hold of this and start to live like this, Stuff will flow to you like rivers. I've experienced some of it. And I've also experienced that if you don't feed this and endeavor to do it, you get cold again. You get lax. And all you got to do to be selfish is just quit making the effort. And you just slide right back into being selfish. And you, you don't you don't mean to be, but you can look up and realize I've gone days, I've gone weeks, maybe longer. And most of what I thought about is my ministry, my stuff, what I need, what I want, and I'm not being a Christian. How could you be a good minister and you're not a real Christian? Boy, I'm getting some real looks across the crowd tonight. <laughs> What is a Christian? Anybody know what a Christian is? What is the law of Christ? Bear you one another's burdens. What is the New Testament commandment? Love each other. Fellow Christians, love each other like I loved you. How, How did he love us? Gave everything for us. What is the greatest expression of love? Giving. Not just money. Giving. Giving time, giving prayer, giving faith, giving things, giving money, giving loyalty, friendship, right? But just giving, 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 giving. Somebody said, well, when do I think about myself? You don't. (laughs) When do I get mine? Forget about it. That's being ungodly, I'm telling you. what, What is the world doing right now? 
What are they thinking about? They've got needs. They're on their sixth marriage going, why won't anybody take care of me? You're not sowing. So there's no reaping. I've sat across the desk from married couples ready to get a divorce. And the, uh, and the wife says to the husband, the Bible says you're supposed to love me. You're supposed to love me like Christ loved the church. And I have needs and, and you don't even care. And, and he says, well, you're supposed to submit to me and respect me. And you don't. And I have needs too. She said, well, I have needs. He said, I have needs too. Both of them are saying what? Give me. Give me. Give me. Bless me. Feed me. Help me. Tickle me. Give me money. Make me feel good. Because it's me that's important. And they're saying, give me. You give me. Give me, give me. Well, you give me. Well, no, you got to give to me. Well, you give to me and I might think about it. No, you got to give to me. And I said, well, if you love me like Christ loved the church, I might could respect you and submit to you. So he said, well, if you'd respect me and submit to me, I might love you like I'm supposed to. <laughs> Nobody's giving anything. There's nothing to receive. Amen. That's right. But everybody's hollering, give me, give me. That's exactly like Joe and Susie Center down the street are doing. No difference. So how would anybody have a clue that we're Christians? Just because we go to church and have a honk if you love Jesus sticker on our car? <laughs> I want to be a real Christian. Do you? I don't mean somebody's version of what that is. What Jesus really was and is. His heart. The way he thinks. The way he talks. The way he operated. I want to be just like him. I want to be like him when I grow up. Just like him. He's my hero. If I had a big poster of him, I'd have it in my bedroom. He's my hero. Amen. Anything less, it's too low. Anybody else, as great as they may be, it's not high enough. What was he? He didn't come to prove a bunch of stuff to people. There were times when they, they called him on it and said, well, if you're who you say you are, do this. Do that. Physician, heal yourself. Works we heard about over there, do them over here. He didn't do it. I said he didn't do it. He didn't come to impress people with himself. He came to minister. I said he came to minister. We're going to get to the fun part in just a minute here. So chapter 7, verse 12. How many would like your financial and material situation to just be turned upside down in a good way? And to, to, to get out from behind and get ahead? And just have stuff flow to you. So that you just, I mean, you just have to look up and go, wow, God. (laughs) I mean, contracts, deals, work, people handing you money, people paying off stuff for you. Would you like that? If you do this, 
that will happen. Most of you didn't believe that. If you do this, that will happen. I've seen it. I've seen it. And Jesus' words are true. And it is the universal, the eternal law of sowing and reaping. And we've heard about it, but there's been a shallow understanding of it. You can put money in the plate. You can give money to people and not do what I'm about to tell you. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 12, Therefore, all things, everybody say all things. That's anything, that's everything, that whatever. How much ground does that cover? All things whatsoever you would that men should do to you. Claim it by faith and confess it regularly and it'll come to pass. Huh? Whatever you would like to happen, whatever you would like people to do for you, make sure that you pray in tongues pretty regularly and claim it by faith and confess it several times a day. And if you'll stay with it, it'll happen. No, if you, if you only do that, confession is right. Prayer is right. Claiming is right. But if you don't keep the law of Christ in the center of it, you're going to get off. You're going to work yourself silly and things are not going to be working. And you're going to be wondering why. And the big problem with this is nothing wrong with believing for something for yourself. But you got to get more interested in the kingdom and in other people than in you. Are you with me? Claim a big car. Claim a big house. Claim your yacht. Claim your two or three jets. Help yourself. But don't go around all day thinking about them. My, thank you for my airplane. Thank you for my car. My car. Thank you for my car, Lord. That's my car. Thank you for my car. Oh, my house. My house. Thank you for my house. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My house. Oh, my house. Thank you for my house. My house in the morning. My house at noon. My house in the, my house. My house. Listen, some folk have learned a few principles of faith, but that's all they know is to just jump on it with what I want. And that's all your focus is. But that's not the law of Christ, is it? That's not the New Testament commandment. If the New Testament commandment is love, what is the New Testament sin? Selfishness. I'm telling you, this is the problem. This is the problem. This is the problem with marriage problems. This is the problem with church problems. This is the problem with on the job problems. This is it. What if everybody around you, including you, were just nice? Just flat nice. Just Kind and patient and long-suffering and everybody was said, no, you take it. 
You take it. What if everybody was like that? Oh, you got to watch because the world is not like this. Oh, the world is full of their self. Self, 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 self. And if you're out in the midst of it, if you're not careful, you'll just let your flesh suck you right in. And they're all honking their horns and shouting and screaming, I got somewhere to go. Bless God. Get out of my way. Check out. Get out of here. I, I have seen ministers, I won't call their names, act like heathen yep. in an air, in an airport terminal. Yep. Come up to the ticket counter and just chew on people like there ain't no tomorrow. Why? Because they're important and, and they ought to do something for me. And bless God, I paid good money. Well, this guy you're talking to has a life. And feelings. They are not just part of the fixtures in the terminal. And when airplanes and all the elements of this earth are a pile of ashes, this human soul will still exist. You know, we, uh, Phyllis and I, you know, thank God we're flying private now, but we did a bunch of flying commercially. And I mean, a lot of times, you know, just as things just didn't work the way that they should. You got a lot of people. Anytime you got that many people involved in something, it takes a sign and a wonder to get it done right. And uh, anyway, we've seen people sometimes go up and just chew out people, ticket counter person, just chew them out, act ugly. And some of them supposed to be Christians. But is that being a Christian? What is a Christian? Law of Christ. Divine commandment of love. And Phyllis would go up and just act nice and sweet to them and try to minister some peace to them and just tell them what we need. And if you can, do something about this. I remember one guy, he looked at her. He looked around. He said, meet me over behind the thing here. So she, she and I came over there and he said, follow me with your bags. And we just, uh, we followed him right through and got on a flight and was there on time. And he looked at us and kind of winked. He said, this, was it a woman? We had chewed him out. And just, he said, she didn't know it, but I could help her or hurt her. Because <laughs> she treated him like a dog. We treated him like a human being. There you go. All right. All right. All things, everybody say all things, all things, whatever you would, that people would do for you, what did Jesus say to do? Do it. Do what? Do what you would like them to do for you. Do it for them. Now, this went off in my spirit, and it has changed our life. It has changed our finances. It has changed us materially in a huge way. That includes everything. Would you like for somebody to come up and hand you a hundred dollars tonight? Yeah. Or a thousand? Yeah. To just say, here, brother, here's a thousand dollars. Have fun. Do something. Would you like that? Yes. Would you like for somebody to do that for you? Yes. If not, something's wrong with you. <laughs> then, according to Jesus, what should you do? Do that. 
So I said, well, I, I don't have a thousand extra. If I did, I wouldn't be wanting a thousand. Well, you got to sow a seed for it. Right? Maybe it's a hundred. Maybe it's a ten. Even if it's a one. It's not just the thing. It's the heart. Now in 1 Corinthians 13, go there again. And I'm not planning on keeping you much longer, but just stay with me for just a minute here. 1 Corinthians 13. Thank you, Lord, for helping me not leave anything out here that we need to, to say. 1 Corinthians 13, are you getting there? Verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Well, how much good is that? Tinkle, tinkle, bang, bang. Yeah, but brother, I speak in uh, diversity of tongues. And the, the interpretation of them is very high level. I've spoken in angelic tongues and all the tongues of men. Tinkle, tinkle. <laughs> Ding dong. <laughs> if your heart is not the love of Christ... Whoop de doo, as Doc Horton says. <laughs> Verse two. I, I know you know this is in here, but I believe it's getting in your heart tonight. I believe this is you're hearing it different. You're 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 have ears to hear. Though I have prophecy and understand all mysteries. And all knowledge. And though I have all faith. So I can remove mountains. I mean bless God. I can rear back and speak. And they move away. Knowledge. I got it. I understand mysteries. Yea even the deep things of God. Got a mountain you need moved? Rocky Mountain? Mount Everest? Not a problem. I can do it. Now, do we really believe this? That you could have knowledge? You could have understanding? You can have faith like this? And yet, if I have not love, it profits me nothing? Do we believe that? Though I bestow all my goods to the poor. Now you can't do any more than that. Materially. You sell everything you got. You empty your accounts. And you try to feed somebody. Or clothe them. Or help them. And to the point you are out in the street hungry. Because you have expended yourself. And if it would help them. Give your body. And let them burn it. You've given your money. You've given your stuff. All you got left is your physical body. And you say, well, I'll give it too. You can take it. Take it. Burn it. It's the heart. The Lord sees the heart. 
That's the main thing in the giving. The heart of the giver determines the acceptability of the gift. Do you know God doesn't accept all offerings? If I had time, I could take you to numerous scriptures and show you. Just because you put something in the plate doesn't mean God accepted it. Doesn't mean he received it. What makes the difference? Your heart. Your heart. And the thing that the Lord wants so, how huge it is to him. He wants the love that he is and that he has shed abroad in our hearts to govern us, to dominate us, to rule our thinking and our actions. So that just like him from the time we wake up in the morning, we want to please God and we want to help somebody, which is the same thing. Amen. Amen. And that if we go all day long and didn't give anything to anyone, it's a vain day. It's a failure. Are you with me? Man, if you, if you got a heart to, to, to help somebody to give, you'll find a way. You'll find, I know I preached about some of these things in the church and this woman, that was older and, and, and was on what they call a fixed income. And she got so stirred up, she wanted to help. She wanted to give, but she didn't have a lot. She prayed. She said, Lord, help me. What can I do? And the Lord said, you got all these papers and all these magazines, these publications. They're full of coupons, and you got all this time. So she made fi- folders for different families in the church and labeled them. And she cut out all these coupons and she'd put them in different folders and she'd give them to the families when she'd go to church and she's saving them $5, $10, $15. Just like handing them money. If you want to give, there's a way. You got stuff in your closet right now. You got stuff in your jewelry box. You got stuff in your garage. You got stuff in your house. Huh? But you don't just want to do something off the top of your head. You're motivated by love. But you're always in that mode to where you're looking and you're thinking. I've had people say, well, God didn't talk to me much about that because you're not open. You just think about yourself most of the time. But when you get in this vein, then you get on the same spiritual frequency. You're going to hear a lot of things. You're going to pick up a lot of things. And all things whatsoever that you would. We got a hold of this. And when we did, we had a, a car that we wanted paid off. I, I wanted it paid off. Well, what's, what's my answer? If you would like for somebody to come and hand you a check to pay your car off, what should you be thinking about? Helping somebody else get their car paid for. What if everybody was living like this? This whole church would be looking around. You'd be going, man, I got sold to somebody. Where? And not just for selfish reasons. You genuinely want to bless somebody. You, you, you want to help somebody. And so I thought about it. and pray. I didn't do something haphazardly. I, th- I said, Lord, show me where to sow. Uh, I want to help somebody. And I need to sow too. I want to reap a harvest. And uh, he, he put a minister on my heart. They kept coming up. They kept coming up. Well, I didn't, I didn't see it, you know, for, I wasn't sure for a few days and a week or two. I wanted to make sure, but when I was sure, I called him, went over to see him. I said, that car that you drove up in, I said, uh, I know it's none of my business, but do, do you owe money on that? He said, yeah. I said, I know it's none of my business, but how much? <laughs> I got a reason why. He said, you need to know. I said, yeah. He told me it was, it was $3,300. 
which I kind of breathed a sigh of relief because the Lord had already told me to pay it off. And if it had been 25, I'd have, you know, so I said, I didn't have it, though. I didn't have it at that time. It's been a few years ago. And, and I said, well, uh, I said, give me at least a year to pay it off and I'll pay it off for you. I'll send you at least your payment every month so you won't be out. He was happy. <laughs> but uh, and, and, and listen, friend. Well, I got to tell another story, man. Are y'all? Do you need to go right now, or can? Come on now. Jesus said, and Paul repeated it, that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. There are realms of that most folk have never touched. The life of giving, the unselfish life, is the free life. It's the happy life. Because when you think about it, why are most people sad? Something about them. Right? Something they hadn't got, something that ain't right for them. Years ago, I was in the floor praying. I'd been praying about this for too long. I mean, month after month, I'd prayed about some things. And, ah, man, I was... I was in the floor, crying my eyes out. Oh, God, you know, oh, help me in this and that and the other. And he spoke to me. He said, son, if you'll just forget about you, most of your problems will fade away. (laughs) That's where I really begin to learn some of these things I'm sharing with you tonight. So I sat up in the floor, thought about that. <laughs> if I forget about me, most of my problems will just fade away. And I realized the torment and anguish that I was going through was stuff that I felt like I needed, that I didn't have, that I wanted or wanted to do, that felt like I could do. It was all me, 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 me. And I thought, if I could really just forget about me, how would I be then? Happy. <laughs> if I wasn't concerned about any of the things that affected me, how they affected me, I'd be free. Which is basically obeying the Bible and casting your cares on the Lord and finally getting in faith. <laughs> Somebody say amen now. Come on, you, you know that's right. And friend, I'm telling you, this is the happy life. This is the fulfilled life. Now, I mean, you may think, well, boy, I got that brand new house. How does that make me feel? Great. Good. But not as good as helping somebody else get in the house. This is true, friend. You want fulfillment. You want a high. You want to be buzzed. Minister love. Give. Touch somebody. Watch, you know, oh, what a blessing it is to be able to, you know, somebody is under duress. Financial pressure is choking them. It's hurting their marriage. And you waltz in and say, let me write you a check. And you write a check and it's solved. And they go, Whoo, glory. 
The, the, the heaviness comes off. The burden comes off. Somebody said, well, I wish I could do that. Maybe one of these days. No, it doesn't come by one of these days. It starts with the quarters and the dollars and the fives and the tens. You've got to obey right here. It starts with you saying, well, here, this is not brand new, but I've only wore it twice. And I'd like for you to have it if you take it. And it could be wonderful to them. But the problem is, people, your flesh will say, well, that's my favorite suit. <laughs> that's when you got to go, pop, pop, shut up. Sit down, flesh. You know, you see all this, what would Jesus do? These stickers and, and names. Well, that's it. What would Jesus do? Would he say, this is my favorite robe? I can't let you have this. Don't touch my car. That's my baby. Don't touch my car. Uh, just like a sinner. I said, just like a sinner. I said, that's just like a sinner. And I'm telling you, if you can turn loose of stuff easily and freely, it can come to you just like that. Easily and freely. So it did. It took us 11 months to pay that brother's car off. We had to believe God for that 300 and something dollars every month. We we were stretched ourselves already, but it came in above what we needed. And we sent it to Now you find out if you believe this when you start sending people checks every month. And it's not tax deductible. <laughs> but it's blessing him. He's not making. How many understand? In order to bless you, you ought to be willing, if I need to make a payment so that he don't have to make a payment, in order to bless me. You ought to be thrilled to think, man, he ain't having to make a payment. Glory. But your flesh will say, yeah, but I am. <laughs> I'm tired of making these. Shut up. Shut up. You ungodly Joe Sinner flesh nature. Shut up. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Jesus lived to give. He lived for other people. He had preached to them sun up to sundown. He'd lay hands on healing lines so long you couldn't see the end of them and get up and do it again. Why? Because he wanted them helped. More than he wanted rest, more than he wanted food, more than he wanted anything for himself. He wanted to see them help. He wanted to see them relieved, released. That'll make you come write a check that you were going to spend on yourself and give it to somebody else. Because, oh, uh, getting the thing is great. Oh, but seeing them, seeing that burden taken off of them, seeing the look on their face, that's a greater blessing. I learned that when I was in Ramah. The Lord will teach you all along if you'll follow him. I was in first year Ramah prayer school. We went there. I went there every day. I, we, I mean, we believe God for everything. Every tank of gas. There were days I fasted, not because I was trying to be spiritual. It was just a choice between gas money and food money. And I wanted to get back home that evening. Uh, but but don't feel sorry for me. We learned faith. We learned how to believe God. Amen. And we learned how to fill up that pickup tank. Now we can fill up that Hawker jet tank. Same same thing. But uh, I needed shoes in the worst way. My shoes were pitiful. And I'm training to be a minister. I'm supposed to, you know, and they look like 
terrible, you know. And I didn't have any money to buy any. We claimed it, Phyllis and I, we believe. Somebody sent me $50 in the mail. I thought, glory to God, that's my shoe money. Hallelujah. Boy, I was praying good that day, you know. I had the victory. I was in the floor. Glory to God, I'm praying, I'm praying. And there was a young minister that was there speaking in the afternoon, healing school. And the Lord said to me, I'm laying on the floor. And the Lord said to me, he is believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Specific. I thought, well, glory to God, Lord, I'll encourage him. I mean, out of what you did for me, you'll do for him too. I just believe with him. Glory to God. So I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and uh, came up again. Call, you know his name. So-and-so. He's believing me for a pair of brown, brown shoes. Again, I thought, well, praise God. Lord, I know you're faithful. You love him just like you love me. I know you'll take care of him. And uh, I kept praying. Kept praying. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, I want you to sow your shoe money to him. And I'll take care of you. Well, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm first year Ramos student, you know. I, I started rebuking the devil. <laughs> I thought, here I believe God. I got my shoe money. The devil's trying to steal my shoe money. <laughs> trying to confuse me. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> so I kept praying it come up again. Sow him your shoe money in. I'll take care of you. And I thought, oh, that ain't the devil. That's the same Holy Ghost that dealt with me to come to Ramah. That's the same Holy Ghost that teaches me in the class. That's the same, same Holy Ghost. Lord, is that right? He said, give him your shoe money. He's believing for me for a pair of brown shoes. And I'll take care of you. I said, okay. Good. I'll do it. Well, I, I went to the service, and at the end of the service, he got through preaching. They were about to leave. He's stepping out off the platform. I came over to him. I said, Brother, I said, uh, uh, you judge this, if this is right or not. But I said, uh, are you believing God for a pair of brown shoes? He said, Glory. <laughs> he called his wife over. He said, Tell her what you told me. I said, Well, I just want to know if you believe in God for a pair of brown shoes. He said, Oh, Hallelujah. <laughs> Come to find out back in the guest speaker's room, right at the same time I'm in the floor praying, they joined hands and asked God for a pair of brown shoes and claimed them. I said, well, here's $50 towards them. And I sold him my money. They were happy. And I left shoeless (laughs) and moneyless. As I went across the parking lot to my little 1969 Chevy pickup. But I tell you what, I was about that high off the ground. Because I'd heard from God. Brown shoes, buddy, brown. Specific. I, I had heard from God. And not only that, I saw the look on their face. And that God had used me to meet a need in their life. And it was ringing in my ears. It's more blessed to give than to receive. More blessed to give. than. And I was experiencing some of that. And I'm telling you, people have come up and handed me their credit cards and said, go buy you an expensive pair of shoes. I don't mean the cheap ones. Go buy this and that. And shoes have come to me.
Because all things, whatever you would that men should do for you, do to them. What's going to happen? You're sowing. You're giving. What's got to happen? It's coming back to you. If you'll just hold on and believe. Hallelujah. Well, I'm through. I'm not going to keep you any longer. But are you stirred at least just a little bit? How many real Christians do I have in here? I mean real, real Christ-like, be just like Jesus. Stand up. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to speak over you. I'm going to lead you in something. And I'm telling you, you don't, don't pray it unless you mean it, but I hope you do. Because this is going to start in you tonight, and it's going to grow in you, and grow in you, and grow in you, and grow in you. And instead of you just going through your day, and thinking about your needs, and thinking about your problems, God's going to open your eyes. And you're going to see people all around you. You're going to see their life. You're going to see their needs. You're going to get insight. You're going to have eyes to see. And if you yield to that and begin to flow, whether it's a kind word, whether it's just taking just a few minutes. Do you know sometimes you can you can spend just three minutes with somebody and, and just not act rushed and just give them your full attention for just a couple of minutes and you touch their life that day. They know that you really care. And what more? What's more? They know God cares. They know he did it through you. And if you live like that, and instead of, you know, especially in a city, you have to watch. Because you just see people. You just see people all the time. And if you're not careful, you're thinking cars, buildings, people. It's th- No, no, no. All this stuff is going to fade. All this stuff is going to melt with fervent heat. But these souls are going to be around forever. And anything you do to touch and help them will last for eternity. Close your eyes. Say it out loud. Father God, Father God I am a Christian. A believer in you and a follower of yours, a disciple of yours. Jesus lived the law of Christ. He bore our burdens. He lived to give. He poured out himself that others might live. And that is my call. That is my desire. That is my heart. That is my faith and my goal and my vision to be just like my wonderful Jesus. Open my eyes. Help me to see. Open my ears. Help me to hear. Open my heart. Help me to be sensitive to those round about me. All round about me. My family. My neighbors, on the job, in the church, if I have any words, if I have any things, anything I can do to help them, to touch them, to meet their needs, here am I, use me, speak through me, flow through me, use me, bless through me. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing to those all around about me. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Thank Him for it. Praise Him for it. Father, we bless you, we praise you, we thank you, we glorify you, we bless you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, hallelujah.
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.